Hello, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with a Priest and a Rabbi with the Reverend Craig Swan and Rabbi Ethan Adler. Hello, and welcome to another conversation between a priest and a rabbi. I'm the Reverend Craig Swan, the priest and rector at St. Peter's by the Sea in Narragansett. And as always, I'm joined with my good friend. I am Rabbi Ethan Adler, Rabbi of Congregation Beth David in Narragansett. And um, I also serve the needs of the um, Westerly Jewish community. And for this podcast, we've been talking about basically what's being read in many of the congregations, or at least the Christian congregations um, throughout the United States and perhaps even throughout the world, what is contained in what we call the Revised Common Lectionary. And it is our Old Testament stories. We have followed the second book of Samuel, which has led us from the beginning story of young King David as a small shepherd boy that slays Goliath, all the way to his demise um, after he basically uh, throws himself or commits adultery with Bathsheba. And the story has led to a lot of good questions for us that I thought was worth talking about. One of them is the myth within the Christian circles that the Old Testament is a story of a vengeful or wrathful God, and the New Testament's about a God of love. And hopefully by the end of this conversation, we will help dismiss that reality. The other question that comes up is the objectification in the Old Testament in some of these stories. And what often seems to be talked about as a condoning of such behavior is not. And then the other piece is, which I think is a wonderful statement to think about how these stories, such as King David, remind us of the common proverb that those who sow injustice reap calamity. Or more simply put from Galatians, you reap what you sow. And so that's kind of our topic today. It's a big one. It has a lot of pitfalls, but we're hoping we can guide through those. And so I wanted to start with just, let's talk about some of the things we've talked about before. And I think, Ethan, you've done a wonderful job in the past of talking about why our Old Testament is filled with such fallible people in terms of the patriarchs, in terms of the kings, um, and that A, they're about relationship, that they're relatable, but we've also talked about the fact that um, God's able to use us in our own fallibility. But I've also um, begun to, at least with my congregation, talk about the fact that these stories from the Old Testament are really our stories and that hopefully we can see ourselves in them because we see a repeated pattern. We see those who are good and oftentimes um, virtuous in the eyes of God crumble at the end. Kind of a reminder to all of us that um, like the great statue of Nebuchadnezzar, if I remember correctly, although the head may be, be built of gold, the feet were clay. Mm -hmm. and of course, the foundation below him crumbles, and we as people crumble, and I think David's um, rise and fall brings us to that, and so um, 
why don't we kind of begin talking about how these stories are our stories and they really are reflective of our own lives. So one way to look at it is to take a look at some of the, some of the Hebrew vocabulary, which um, can sometimes speak volumes about what it is we're talking about. The, um, our, our word for the, um, the first five books of the Bible, uh, sometimes referred to as the Old Testament, um, we call it the Torah. The Torah, the first five books of Moses um, that actually take us from creation through um, just about when Joshua takes over to lead the people into the promised land, into the land of Canaan. The word Torah doesn't mean law, it doesn't mean history, it doesn't mean religion. The word Torah means teaching. And so we understand the Torah as books that contain within them teachings about how we need to live and lead our lives. There are approximately over 600 different kinds of laws and regulations and guidelines, some of which we use today, some of which were directly related to the temple in ancient times, so they're not, they're not obligated to do those again. But many, many laws that deal with our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, and our relationship within ourselves. And we look at the Torah as a guideline that tells us what to do, and also at the same time tells us what not to do. And the covenantal words of God to the people was that if you follow my laws, then you are destined to have a meaningful and healthy life. And if you don't, well, there are consequences. And I think that's one of the, one of the lessons that we learn in that there are consequences to our actions. Uh, King David personifies that perhaps um, as, as, as other biblical characters do, that if you, if, you, if you follow God's laws, if you follow what is mandated, there are of course no guarantees, but um, there, there is a better chance that um, life, life will be the way, the way we want it. Um, this week, as it happens, we read a portion of the Bible, of the Torah. We are um, in, the, in the last book, reading the book of Deuteronomy. And the portion begins with the word, the Hebrew word, re'eh. Re'eh. Now, re'eh has several meanings. It, it means to look. It also means to see. And also means to understand. Like even in English, when somebody says something, say, oh, 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 I see. So Moses is telling the people, I want you to look at these laws, and I want you to, to look at them, to study them, and to understand them as well. And what he wants them to understand is that you can have a life. You can have a life of blessings, or you can have a life of curses. And there are consequences there are consequences to our actions. Interestingly enough, the word re'eh is related to another Hebrew word, re'i, which means a mirror, a mirror. And the lesson there is that our actions mirror who we are. When we do those things that are purely selfish, where it doesn't seem to care what the impact on other people are, 
that is not following the ways of the Torah, the ways of the Bible. But when we look at ourselves and say, okay, how can I, when I look at myself and see what my needs are, how can I translate that to actions that will impact the needs of others, you know? So um, I won't text when I drive, I won't drink when I drive, I'll wear seat belts, those kind of things. I'll make sure my car is registered and my car is, is working properly. Um, all, of, all of these things that, that help us basically to live with each other and to make sure we have, uh, again, a meaningful and good life. And the Torah does that. It, 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 it provides us with these, these kinds of things. And the other thing I want to mention is that these are not lofty ideas. You know, Moses says at one point when he talks to the people of Israel, he says, these are the laws and commandments and statutes which I present you as guidelines for your life. They're not up in the sky. They're not up on the lofty mountains. They're not under the sea. They're in your hands. They are, they are right, they are right there. And sometimes I have to be honest with you, I wonder, you know, with so many guidelines that we have that are right, right there for us. And people just ignore it, um, and then they face consequences. And you, 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 sometimes you just, you just shake your head and wonder why are people not seeing it, and how come they're not listening? When you talked about the um, statement of was it the first one was about study mm -hmm. in the Book of Common Prayer, one of our Sunday colics or prayer for the day, for the week, uh, refers to scripture. We give thanks for scripture and ask or advise to read, mark, and inwardly digest the word of God. And I think one of the problems today, especially among the uh, masses, is that we do a lot of talking about scripture. But most of us don't really know what's in the Bible. We assume we know. And one of the biggest issues that I'm beginning to realize um, with the churches is most of the people who come to church are dependent on their understanding of scripture based on the short passages that are read. And in the Episcopal church, like the Roman Catholic church and the Lutheran church and a few others, you get a good reading from the Old Testament, you get a good reading from the letters of Paul, and you get a good reading from the Psalms, and then finally the gospel, but they're read almost in isolation. And even though during the summer months, we can read some of these chronologically through, the fact is we never see the whole story, so we assume that we hear this passage and we know the story of David. We assume we know the story of David and Bathsheba, which on the surface, the week that we read that story, it began and ended with um, David taking Bathsheba and then having Uriah kill. And if you don't read the whole story from start to finish, you begin to think that somehow this is okay. But what we discovered with this is that if you read the story as a whole, David starts out as this innocent young man who kills Goliath, does what God asks, leads his armies into battle with the enemies. 
And then suddenly at the height of his power um, in the blessings of God, begins to abuse his power. He doesn't go out with his armies like the good leader and king that he's supposed to be. And then he begins to believe he has the right to take another man's wife. And if you stop there, you think, okay, this, he got away with it. But then we find out that Nathan confronts him. And even though he realizes he sinned against God, his behaviors have released a whole bunch of what I would say negative karma or consequences that take place within his family. And we see him crumble. His family and everything dissolve right from there because of the consequences of his behavior. And we begin to see that, I think we begin to say, how is it that we are like King David? No, I'm not a king of a nation. I'm not the king of a parish. But how is it that I get to a certain point and get prideful enough that I believe I can get away without following God or obeying the laws? I'm above, David sums up as above the law at this point. How many of us begin to say that we're above the law and we can do what we want? and get away with it. And I think in today's world, we're beginning to see that example as you know, life is filled with consequences. Um, as we enter into this conversation, we're all now dealing with the third surge of the pandemic and the issues that we've seen in our country around, should I get vaccinated, should I not get vaccinated, should I wear a mask, should I not wear a mask? And I hear a lot of debate around um, freedom of choice, but nothing around how can I do my part to take care of myself and to take care of others? I think you've raised some good issues around, you know, I remember growing up when we didn't have to wear seatbelts, when we didn't put car kids in car seats. And the consequences were severe if we got into a car accident. Um, as I said to people, I'm not sure how I'm alive today. My mom talks about when I was a baby, they put this thing in the back seat that made like a bed and they just laid us on the bed. And I guess we just kind of rolled around. Yeah. I've come to the conclusion that explains a lot of issues I have in life, but um, where our kids had to be belted in. And now even with our um, step-grandson-to-be, as I like to call it, who's eight, he's still in a booster seat for his own protection while in the car. So um, we're learning how to protect ourselves, but we have that choice. We can make good choices or we can make bad choices. David made a series of bad choices and his family paid the price. And I think um, today we see all the time how we're guided towards good choices, but we continue to make those bad choices and we will see our own crumbling as we're seeing um, or hearing on the news today, people are getting COVID and now regretting not having gotten vaccinated. The, the rabbis often remark that because we don't really always know what God is thinking, we can guess, but we don't really know. It's impossible for us to accurately say that following a small guideline is less important to God than following a very critical and important guideline. So somebody might say, you know, yes, Yes, once in a while, I, I have a, a BLT sandwich. I'm not supposed to eat bacon. And, and, 
once in a while, but I'm only eating. It's only food, but I've never killed anybody. I never committed murder. And the assumption is murder is so much more of a terrible crime in God's eyes than eating a BLT, but we don't know. Maybe the BLT is, I mean, I'm not saying it is, but we, we just don't know. So if we look at the Torah again, if we look at the Bible and we see some of the personalities and what they've done and how, how small the, 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 the act was and how serious the consequence, we begin to understand, even in today's world, that not getting a shot that is free, that doesn't even hurt, over in, in a second is available just about any, everywhere that sometimes has some, some consequences to it, sometimes side effects, many times not. The consequences of not doing it can be great. Here's just a couple of examples. Moses, who has been a great leader of the Jewish people, dedicated his last, the last 40 years of his life from 80 to 120. I mean, he's an old guy. He did everything he could, and that one time God told him to speak to a rock to get water out, and he, instead of speaking to it, he hit it. You and I might say, hey, oh, well, inconsequential, you know, he's an old guy. He, he got tired, the heat of the sun got to, got to him, whatever the case may be. The consequences of that was that after traveling with the Israelites for 40 years, he was not able to go with them into the land of Israel. He never, he never saw the land of Israel, except through some super vision that God allowed him to have. But he never stepped forth into the land to which he drove and guided the people for 40 years. A small thing with a big consequence. Adam and Eve, I mean, the, the fall of Adam and Eve, taking a bite of a, of a piece of fruit, you know? I mean, how inconsequential should that be? And yet, look at the consequences. Um, we, we read about, about one of the judges in the judges' period, a, a man named Jephthah. He was a judge, and one day he went out to fight the Philistines or some other nearby enemy, and he made a vow, simple vow. He said, listen, if I get back, if I get back alive, I'll sacrifice whatever comes out of my house. The first thing I see, and he's thinking this, a, a cow, a goat, a sheep, something, right? Very, just, just a very simple, simple statement. Well, he returns, and what comes out of his house to greet him, what does he see first? His own daughter. Now, he's caught. What is he going to do? Because your word to God is your word, is your word to God. Lot's wife, this is the last one I'll, I'll mention, there's many more. They escape the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. They're running into the hills. Fire and brimstone are like pounding down in the two cities. And God says, um, don't, don't, don't look back. What is she? She just looks back. I mean, you turn around. It seems like a very in, in, you would think Lot said, I told you, don't turn around. Okay, sorry, sorry, I forgot. And move on. And yet she becomes a pillar of salt. Holy moly. So one of the things that, going back to what I said before about Re'e, about seeing and understanding, is that even small actions can have major and disastrous consequences. 
And that's what the Torah, that's what the Bible is trying to help us avoid. Avoid those major consequences, even from what are seemingly insignificant acts. I think one thing that you pointed out that it needs to be highlighted is that none of these people made these mistakes without a warning from God. Mm -hmm. God tells Adam and Eve, eat from the apple, you will die. God tells Lot and Lot's wife, do not turn around, do not look back. Uh, with the dietary laws, you eat it, you shall die. Um, and there are very good reasons for it in the climate and the time that certain dietary laws came into being because of the fact of the um, trickiness of preservation of food back in those times. Even King David is warned and the people are warned of the problems that bringing in a human king will have, even though this wonderful young teenager David is so innocent and pure and good, God tells him point blank, point blank to the people of Israel, if you insist on a human king, basically he says, the power will corrupt him. And that king will send your people to war and take your wives. That's what David does when he turns. And Israel crumbles. It's not that God doesn't tell us, look, if you do these things, here are the consequences up front. God does. And so it's not really about, the stories aren't about God's wrath, but actually we as human beings constantly saying we know better than God. And so we're going to take the risk. And I think about the fact that when my kids were teenagers, how many rules did we have on them uh, I remember when my daughters first started driving and all the restrictions we had, you could only drive if you were alone in the car for the first few months. You know, don't be talking on the phone. Uh, we would have them call us immediately when they arrived someplace because we would time them and then have them call us when they left. So we knew they weren't joyriding. And why is that? Because even though they thought we were being strict and mean, is we wanted them to gradually develop a sense of respect for their driving and gradually um, develop their driving skills in safe ways. They didn't see the consequences and understand them like you, like I did and my wife did who grew up. And I told my daughters when I got, got into the car for the first time, prepare for the driving, if we were living in my hometown, I would take them to the back row of the cemetery in my hometown. And there lay several of my classmates, all of whom died um, in car accidents uh, or doing stupid things that didn't seem that stupid or that risky, but were. And um, that's the sad thing is we're so much like our teenagers. We wanna take all these risks, but we don't fully understand the extent of the consequences. And how else that only life experience gives us. And, right. we, and again, as I look back at David, we look back at Lot's wife, we look at Adam and Eve. We don't have the perspective that God has. Right. And again, um, as you said, God gives us the guidelines. He tells us not to pass on the, on the right. He tells us to obey the speed limit. 
keep our eyes on the road, blah, 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 and so on and so forth. Because he wants, he wants to ensure the safety of our journey. But we turn around and we say, you know, what does God know? You know, I can do this. As long as, as, long as I don't see any, any state troopers around, I'm going to go 80 miles an hour. When I see them, I'll slow down. Well, that's not the way God works. God says, listen, I'm, you have intelligence. I, I gave you wisdom. I gave you knowledge. I gave you discernment. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you know. Another case in point is Samson, who was another judge. And uh, Samson was taught as a young man, um, you're going to be very special to God. And um, there are three things you need to avoid in your life. Coming in, in contact with death, not drinking wine, and not having your hair cut. And you will maintain your strength, and you will be a great leader. Well, what does he do? At one time, he's fighting the Philistines, and he finds a, a jawbone of an ass or donkey, whatever. And with the jawbone, he fights them. So now he's touched death. He gets, he gets um, infatuated with Delilah and allows himself to get drunk and drinks wine, number two. And then he admits to Delilah that his, his strength lies in his hair. So she cuts his hair. And now this great, powerful, powerful, strong, could have been one of the greatest judges of all times, is reduced to being tied up and chained in one of their temples, his eyes gouged out, and with one last strength, he brings the house down, as, as, as the Bible recalls, okay? Again, God, God paved the way for Samson to be, to be a, great, a great leader and not following what God said. That's, that's what happened. So I, th I think we, we, just, we just need to learn that authority does have strength. When you tell your kid, don't run with scissors, you don't expect them to really understand the physical, the physics and the mechanics that you could fall and guide your eyes out. But you want them to get to the point where if mommy or daddy says so, it must be true. So I'm going to do that. And then um, I'll, I'll end this piece with that. When, when Moses first presented the laws of the Torah to the people of Israel gathered at Mount Sinai, their response was, we will do, and then we will listen. In other words, you, you tell us what we're, even though we don't quite understand yet, we're going to do it because it comes from you, God, and you are an authority. So we're going to do it. And then through the doing, we will then begin to understand as, as we go through it, you know? And uh, many of us un already understand that getting vaccinated, wearing a mask, doing all the things that are recommended, are ways to keep ourselves and others and others healthy, and there are there are people who just just don't understand that piece yet, and here we are. Here we are. And before we end, I just want to throw in a quick um, caveat into the conversation because so often when we see the fall of uh, men, whether it be David, whether it be Samson, whether it be Adam the Bible depicts the female as the beguiler. 
And in for so long throughout history, the assumption has always been made or um, the interpretation has been made is that it's almost as if the guy has no agency or choice over the beguiling and that women have like this innate evil power over, over, the, over men, men in general. And the truth is that's not what that's about. Uh, and it's also um, the Bible does, is not meant to be used as a tool to um, sublimate or objectify women if we look at the stories and their holes. The sad part I think about, at least I can speak from the standpoint of the Episcopal Church and how we bring forth the New Testament, we don't do a good job of bringing up and talking about and allowing to hear the voices of the women of the past, whether it be um, Sarah, Rebecca, or Leah. We forget about Ruth and Naomi. We forget about Deborah. And in the on the gospel side of things, we do pay homage primarily to the Blessed Virgin Mary, but we forget about the role of Mary and Martha at times, of Mary Magdalene, and many women in the Book of Acts. And so one of, I think, the greatest issues and frontiers the church continues to struggle with is how do we bring a balancing um, of the voices of the women of our past, our mothers, um, along with our patriarchs, if the, the voices there equally and they're no longer seen as agents sometimes of evil, but truly that they were partners and um, truly um, fully embraced by God and have equal agency. And I think our history as a church has done a lot of damage in that area. And I think, again, because of our lack of people studying the Bible or seeing, fully understanding scripture, we've allowed a misinterpretation through the ages. And again, I, we don't have time for that full conversation, but it just has to be acknowledged, especially when we look at stories like David and Bathsheba, Samson and Delilah, um, Adam and Eve and Lot's wife, that many years we have vilified the, the woman in the story and we forget that the man had freedom and agency to make other choices. And so let's put the blame where it really belongs for the mistake. Um, so that's where we are, we're out of time. And um, as always, good conversation. Absolutely. And, it's, and I wanna keep saying to um, those who are listening that um, are part of the Christian traditions, the, the best way to understand the Bible as I'm learning more and more and to interpret the Old Testament is not to hear it through Christian lens, but to hear the interpretation through the authentic lens of Judaism. I think that makes our scripture so much richer and so much fuller as well. So again, wonderful, thank you. And let us end with prayer. The Lord be with you. Gracious creator, we give thanks for this time of conversation. For through your mighty word, we see how fallible we truly are when we are within your presence. David rises and falls because of, because of his own human frailty. But we also see through David ourselves and also the fact that you are truly a God of love no matter where we read in our Bibles. But we through our own frailty bring about our own consequences. And because you've given us that freedom, we endure the suffering 
of our own behaviors. So we give you thanks for the freedom and also for the guidance of the Bible itself. We lift this up in your name. Amen. Amen. Good talking to you. Thanks again for listening to Conversations with a Priest and a Rabbi. We hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. This has been a production of Oyster Farm Productions and St. Peter's-by-the-Sea Episcopal Church, Narragansett.